AI in Action is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Our host brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success, and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI in Action cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. To listen to the latest AI in Action podcast, head over to www.aldis.com forward slash podcast, or subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. You're listening to AI in Action. I'm your host, JP Valentine. Our guest today is Scott Lichtenstein. Scott is the co-founder and CEO at Buyerside. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. That's our pleasure. So, Scott, let's start with yourself. Can you give us a, a background of where you got started in tech? What got you interested? Some of the roles you've held along the way, taking us up to the, the formation of Buyerside. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I, I was actually originally from the Silicon Valley area, so I kind of grew up in that culture. Uh, and after college, went back to San Francisco and joined a, a four-person startup. You know, I just got sucked right into the, the whole world of startups and, and technology. Um, from there, I actually ended up co-founding a business um, in, in San Francisco. You know, lots of pivots later, we had become a consulting company that I ran successfully for, for about eight years. Um, before getting you know, the SaaS bug. And I was really interested in transitioning from the sort of services and consulting business into software as a service, you know, the, the more scalable software play. And so I joined a, a couple of um, SaaS businesses over the, over the years from uh, led by successful entrepreneurs and uh, really got to know that the SaaS and software specific sales motions, because it is quite a bit different than when you're, you're selling a service and you're selling someone's hours as a consultant versus you know a software or a solution that can help them as a business to, to improve something. So I really got my got my start in, in the trajectory where I am now from those experiences in those software companies where I at one you know various points I had led sales teams, uh, led marketing, led sales operations, really all different functions on the, the go-to-market side of the house as we call it. So meaning the the way that the product gets out into the hands of customers. And um, you know that's that's really where I got the the idea for Buyerside as well as I was in these experiences seeing how the industry was changing and how the way that sales were done even a couple of years ago was not the way that it's being done now and probably isn't the way it's going to be done in a few years from now either. Excellent. So that's a great segue into Buyerside the company. So at a high level, can you explain to us what you're doing with Buyerside? Give us some insight into the overall business objective, the industries that you're focusing on, and then we can jump into the technology that's driving this. Yeah, for sure. So Buyerside is an AI platform to help sales managers better understand their teams and their customers. And the key change that, that we found, that we were seeing in, in, within sales as a function that led to the beginnings of Buyersight was the presence of more and more automation in sales teams. We're seeing sales leaders add more AI and, and other types of software tools to their technology stack to try to automate the work of the sales rep. Whether that means like sending out hundreds of emails a day or placing dozens of phone dials at a time or you know, entering massive amounts of data into a CRM tool like salesforce.com. There's just all types of automation being layered onto the sales process. And with this automation, there's so much more data being generated than there ever has been before. And so what I saw was that managers, these frontline sales managers, were starting to spend way more time 
hunting for data, parsing through data, trying to really be these amateur data analysts. You know, I would had my managers, I was watching them spend more and more time in spreadsheets and less and less time with their reps, you know, coaching and leading the team and leaning into those skills that they had spent so many years developing. If you think about like a sales manager, their skill set is usually going to be empathetic leadership, you know, sales coaching, uh, the sales call, doing ride-alongs with their reps, listening in on calls, and a lot more customer-facing work and a lot less of this data-focused work that I was seeing. And so and we were thinking that you know, with these, I was in this role too at one point, spending a lot of late nights hunting for, for examples or you know, coaching opportunities of how is my team screwing up or how can I add value as a manager and, and trying to figure out where to spend my time as a manager was, was very difficult uh, to, to, to answer. It was a very difficult question to answer because it, we, you know, I didn't have scalable tools behind me. I was using things like Excel and, and uh, spot checking or manually looking through this data and it just wasn't scalable at all. And so one of my old friends from undergrad, he was a, we had gone to Harvard together a long time ago and he's been a, an engineer for his entire career. One, one late night we were talking about this problem and how this is actually the perfect situation for software and machine learning to help the sales manager. That if we can categorize and analyze salesperson behavior so that the manager doesn't have to manually look through everything that they're doing to try to find those bad behaviors or good behaviors, if we can do that categorization and then guide the manager to where they have issues on the team, like who needs coaching, uh, how are they dropping the ball, or you know, on the other side, who's doing something really well that the manager should also be paying attention to. That the idea being that if we could guide the manager to those situations, we could free them up to be more effective coaches and more effective leaders because they really don't need to be crunching a lot of these numbers in the background. You know, machine learning and computers could do a lot of this heavy lifting and that would allow managers to have more time with prospects and with reps. And the original hypothesis was that this would lead to a higher performing teams. And we're now seeing this play out in practice that when managers have more time coaching and have more time with their reps, it leads to an increase in sales. Absolutely. And it's something that having been on that other side myself previously, I know how much time is lost in those spreadsheets. Um, so a solution like this will be hugely in demand. So focusing now on, on the impact it's already having, you, you touched on it there, you're already seeing it have the, the, the traction. So can you give us some insight into what it's been like the first two years from concept to build to, to maybe some examples of where it's actually in use right now? Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting journey uh, in a lot of ways. And, you know, we, we started in, in 2019, towards the end of 2019, uh, I quit my job and, and dove headfirst into this. And uh, since then, you know, we were lucky enough to raise a small amount of money sort of right before the pandemic, the coronavirus pandemic had hit. And we were able to hire a team to help us. So we're now more than just my co-founder and myself. Uh, we're now a full-time team of four with a small army of contractors helping us out and various part-time folks. But uh, one of the, the things that, in retrospect, I think worked out pretty well was that when we were building the software, we were working with some very large companies as a sort of design partners where we were giving them free access to our early versions of our software. And essentially it was in exchange for their data that by having access to their data, we were designing our models to 
you know, understand what their salespeople were doing. And we were also getting feedback from them that as we were testing out new features or new ways of providing value, you know, they were giving us their opinions on what we were doing. And that was a very helpful process that took the better part of a year that really took us through most of the pandemic uh, where we were working with these early partners. And just in the, the last part of 2020, we started to really take the product to market more formally and, uh, and beyond these early sort of free relationships that we had. And so now we're out there selling the product in the market and uh, and closing customers. And so it's been a pretty pretty crazy ride. But some of the examples you, you touched on, you asked for some examples of how we're helping. And it's really, without getting too technical about sales or AI, I'll try to give some perspective on, on the ways that we help. You know, we start by analyzing everything the salespeople are doing. We call this the digital exhaust. It's everything they leave behind online when they're you know changing the settings on a deal when they're logging a phone call that they had, if their emails are captured, every email that they send, we're collecting all of that information and categorizing it based on what's happening. So using natural language processing to say what's being discussed, where are we in the sales process? We tag every activity and every action the salesperson does with those types of topics. And then from there, we can very accurately describe what the salespeople are doing. How are they spending their time? Uh, what are they saying? How are their customers responding? And what's working? That's really one of the key things. What is driving deals forward? And so some of the ways that we've helped now with some of these customers that I've been mentioning is ranging from understanding something on the very granular side, what is the best process after a meeting? After you demo your software to a prospective customer, what should you do next? What happens with that follow-up email? When should it be sent? What content should be in, the, in that email? And we, our machine learning has gotten a lot of great insights into what are the, you know, this is team specific, but for each team, what works best for them? You know, do you want to have that uh, really long follow-up email with all the detailed synopsis of everything discussed, or is it a short and sweet one-off email that comes afterwards? And that kind of nuance can mean a lot for teams and really impact their close rates. You know, another, another example of how we're helping, too, is looking at the top of the funnel into prospecting behavior. So when salespeople are reaching out to new prospective customers, they're often calling and emailing, trying to get folks into a conversation. And so there's a lot of uh, best practices about one, what one should do. So we're looking at, are the salespeople following those best practices? And we're also looking at the construction of their communication. So are their emails, for example, difficult to read? We're analyzing the grammatical constructions to say, is this uh, convoluted or, or confusing? And that, of course, decreases response rates. And we're looking at the, the length of their emails, the length of their sentences, you know, their closings, the, the uh, diction, the word choice that they're using. There's a, many different variables at play to determine what is a successful outreach attempt. And we're analyzing all of that. So we're getting a lot of great insights into, and again, this is what's really cool is it's specific for each team. Because right now there's so many general best practices out there about what you know one should do, but each team is different, and there's a lot of nuances uh, for each team. And we're finding that it's not one size fits all. That depending on your market, your price of your and who you're selling to, it can really impact what you should be doing. And so this kind of granular granular analysis really does help teams to increase their conversion rates and, and generate more sales. So focusing now on, on the data team who are behind the scenes making this happen, you, you touched on it. It started off with you and your co-founder with the concept and the idea, and you've now got it to it's actually being 
sold and in use uh, at various customers. Can you walk us through what the journey was like from concept to demo um, and, and some of the problems and, and challenges that you had to overcome to get this to work so we can visualize what it's like to be part of the data team in its current form? Yeah, yeah it's definitely, it's been interesting. So, I mean, my co-founder, uh, Brian, who I mentioned earlier, um, he's an incredibly talented engineer and, and built the prototype himself. So this was a, a one-man band to, to get us to that initial point of funding. Um, and, you know, just an amazing feat of engineering uh, from him. And then, you know, but Brian's background and experience is really in these enterprise application engineering. And so to your point, uh, we needed some help on the data side. And so, um, we had an old friend from college who was able to help us out early. He went on to be a successful physicist and you know, all these academic accolades and, and uh, became a real expert in, in, uh, in both essentially math and, and, uh, and data science. But he, he was working with us on, on a part-time capacity for a long time, helping us to design the early models, you know, our early neural networks that we were using to classify salesperson behavior. And you know, from there, we then um, we brought on some other folks as well who who have been helping, uh, in, so in various capacities. But we uh, now have a, a pretty robust team with you know the full stack engineers, a data engineer who's specifically focused on the pipeline, data scientists who are working on the models, uh, the classification models, uh, and then as well as uh, sort of a sales engineer function who's a little bit more customer facing, who interacts with. The, um, our customers to gather their requests and their feedback and then it uses basically puts that into our models so that you know we tailor all of our AI models specifically to each customer because it, it requires customization to really understand uh, a, a particular sales process. So you can see that it really varies all the way from the sort of customer facing data role to the more like deeply technical data science piece where they're really underneath the hood and really sort of a little bit further away from from speaking to customers. Looking now at the the past, or well, coming up on on two years, uh, you know, obviously unique challenges that that we were faced with with the pandemic. But where, from where you started to where you're at now, looking ahead, what are you most excited about for the business when you look at the future use cases, the the increased uh, use of the application? What are the goals? What do you expect to see? And, and what sort of team growth will will be required to achieve those goals? Yeah, it's interesting. So talking about the, the where we see this industry and our company going, something we haven't touched on, but the word that I like to use to describe what we're doing is that it's prescriptive AI, meaning that we're prescribing a course of action. We are telling the manager what to do. And I think we're going to see a lot more of this in, in um, at this application layer where AI is being used in business. So, you know, just to, to explain that a little bit further. So the, the original version of, of a lot of AI came, was sort of descriptive, like understanding what is going on. So classification uh, and, and just identification. And then it became predictive. So trying to say, OK, if we understand what's happening now, can we predict what's going to happen next? And so a lot of you know, current applications have been successful exist at this predictive layer. The next step is prescriptive, which is what I started with talking about, where now that we know what's likely to happen or the likely possible universe of outcomes, what should the person do? What should some human who's involved in the, in the middle of all this, what should their course of action be? And I think we're going to see a lot more prescriptive AI coming out. And really, that's where we are focused, where we're, gonna, we're just going to go much deeper into the, to the 
getting very, very granular prescriptions of what should the manager do, where should they spend their time, and what should they be doing to have the most impact on sales. And that can, you know, that's going to mean that we're, we're going to get, uh, we're going to start touching other functions as well, because it's not, you know, if you think about the sales process, it's not just the salesperson that's involved. You often have support. Yeah, I mentioned the sales engineer earlier. You sometimes have engineering involvement. You often have customer success or account managers who step in after the sale. You might have at the top of the funnel people like sales development representatives who are, um, you know, junior folks who are, spend a lot of time qualifying leads before they talk to a, uh, a more tenured salesperson. All these people who are involved in the process, you know, we're we're going to start building our models to to understand their behavior as well. So it's not just the closer, the salesperson who's responsible for the deal, but also the support and the everyone else who's touching and interacting with this customer. Because the core idea is that when you're interacting with your customer on behalf of your company, you know, that that information is critically valuable for every other function, you know, whether it's from product to leadership, you know, we, we want to make sure that it, that interaction, that communication with your customers is understood and to some degree standardized or at least within you know some guardrails of expectations. So you know I think that for us we'll see a lot more functions and a lot more functional areas coming under our purview coming soon. And with that growth, I would imagine there's going to be opportunities for for data scientists and engineers to come on board as you look to scale the team. So uh, Final question for me then on that point, as you look to build this team, bringing in the various skill sets, what's important to you in, in your hiring strategy? What do you look for you know, outside of the, the, the core tech stack when you're, when you're screening candidates? Yeah, it's, it's an important point and something that um, you know, we think a lot about being in a very early stage company, having one thing that's very important to us is, is the culture and, and the fit. I feel like cultural fit is often used as a, a sort of a euphemism for a lot of biases, too. But so we're really trying to think about it from, you know, removing those those lenses of, of bias. And what what do we want our culture at the core, like the way that we interact with each other to be? And uh, so it is important for us that the person that we're hiring, especially when we're, we're, we're small and in the early stages, um, exhibits those values and, and uh, behaves to their peers and to their colleagues and to other folks the way that, that we would like our company to be. You know, but beyond that, I think that um, we are doing, you know, if I was to, <laughs> to you know, just to speak frankly, I think we're doing something pretty cutting edge and it's, it's not... It's not a well-worn path for, for what we're doing. So somebody's going to have to be comfortable really sticking their neck out there and placing some technological bets. You know, this isn't, there's not a playbook for a lot of the things that we're doing. There's not uh, existing documentation. And so having uh, that kind of entrepreneurial spirit is important. You know, that yeah, it's something where I think a lot of people, when they join this kind of early stage business, you know, understand it at an intellectual level, but to really deeply rock or to, to really understand what that means and how it's going to impact your day-to-day -day of being entrepreneurial, of having some ambiguity and like not really knowing what's going to happen or what to expect with some of the experiments that we're running. And, you know, just being open to that and is, is an important, important part of being at this early stage of a company. So I think, you know, for people to, to really to just know what they're getting themselves into when they when they're going to be in that kind of role is important. But on the, you know, I don't want to make it sound too negative because it is very exciting, right? What comes with that kind of ambiguity and and uncertainty and 
uh, it comes, there's a lot of exciting moments and there's a lot of opportunity to shape the direction of this technology of, you know, uh, or to shape the direction of the company, at least too, that we're, that we're early enough that everybody's making a very significant impact. So I think those are, those are two big things that jump to mind beyond you, as you mentioned, the, the technological skills, which are clearly very core, but I think those are, those are two big ones. Oh, that's great insight. And I appreciate you sharing. Um, Scott, so clearly from from the early signs of of what you've built, it's it's going to be very successful. Uh, speaking from experience, I can see so many use case applications for BuyerSight across all industries. Um, so we wish you guys all the best with with getting this product to to market to as many uh, software sales and any other environments as possible. And uh, yeah, we look forward to hearing from you and and wish you all the best and continued success. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me. AI in Action is brought to you by Aldus International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Aldus offer an exec search program. Aldus can help you discover how data science and AI can transform your company. With our unrivaled network of C-suite executives and senior AI professionals, we offer retained search services across the US and Europe. Get the Aldus advantage. Become a member of the Aldus community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston, and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to all those members. And don't forget our AI in Action podcast. Each week, we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career, and more. Become an Aldous member and get the Aldous advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldous.com. Dot com. That's www.aldus.com. Aldus International, empowering through AI.